Well, Merry Christmas! <coughs> Let's try it again. Merry Christmas! All right. You know, it's amazing. You know, every, every year things change, you know, and uh, this year Christmas has been different. And I don't know, people just seem to be struggling to get into the Christmas mood, as witnessed by your Merry Christmas. <laughs> but, you know, over the last couple of weeks, I've just been talking to people, not just in church, but, you know, as I've been going about, and, and people seem to be struggling to get in the spirit mood. For example, we went into a shop the other day, and, and, and the ladies were serving, and they had these Christmas hats on. You know, it's about two weeks ago. So I said, oh, so you guys are trying to get into the, into the Christmas spirit early. She, they said, no, we are not. It doesn't feel like Christmas. It says, but, you know, you're wearing, says, we're wearing the hat because we have to wear the hat. They told us to wear the hat. But it doesn't feel like Christmas. <laughs> and I suppose, you know, each one of us as individuals or as families have our own little challenges. And it's important to understand this, that Christmas... It's not about all the emotions and the feelings that we might have. Like Tanya said just now, it's not about the food and the presents and and family. All those things are good and they are nice and they are important. But that is not what Christmas is about. Christmas is about Jesus. It's about celebrating the birth of our Savior. It's understanding the real spirit of Christmas. Amen. So I pray that for all of you here present, those of you watching online, those of you listening to this message, that Christmas has been, is being, and will continue to be a time of focusing on the Savior. Amen. Before we dive into the message today, I just want to make two quick announcements. First of all, groceries drive. Thank you to all those who contributed by bringing groceries or giving financially towards this project, okay? Margaret, Maria, and William say thank you to all of you. Thank you so much. You have made this Christmas and New Year a little more joyful to these families. And on their behalf, I also want to say thank you to all of you. May the Lord multiply your giving back to you in blessings. Amen. The other other announcement is this. Next Sunday, the 1st of January, there will be no in-person service next Sunday, okay? Oh, all right. <laughs> Why is that? It's the 1st of January, all right? Most of our people are away. Some will be away. Some are away already. And in, from history, the, whenever we have a Sunday, the 1st of January, we can fill about one row of people. And this year, with live streaming, probably even less. Also, it's, it's a family day. So I encourage all of you, spend Sunday with your family, okay? Some of you are going to go pretty late until Saturday night and so on. So just relax on Sunday. We will have an online devotion at 9.30. So if you're up at 9.30, tune in and, you can w- and join us for a devotion. If you wake up later, it's okay. It will be there. So whenever you wake up, go there and watch the devotion and join us on the 1st of January online for our devotion, then we'll meet you again on the second Sunday of January. Amen. And we'll continue enjoying our time of fellowship together. Okay. Praise God. So tell everybody else that, you know, that maybe not here, no service here. It will be online next Sunday. Amen. So it's Christmas Day. And today we look at the most important birth of all. In our Advent series, we have been looking at births which point to the birth of Jesus Christ. And uh, we looked at the births of Isaac, of Moses, last week at John the Baptist. And each one of these birthdays had elements which 
identify them with Jesus, with the life and the birth of Jesus. Their lives and their births pointed to the birth, to the greatest birth of all, which is the birth of Jesus. And today, this is it. Today, we celebrate the birth of Jesus. Now, <laughs> a Christmas story is a very familiar story. You probably have heard it over and over and over again. So why do we get together every year and review and retell the same old story? We know it already. Now, you see, here's the thing. When you know a story so well, you kind of you run through the, through the facts. You're familiar with, with the story. The baby in the manger. We heard about it this morning. Joseph, Mary, you know, the shepherds, the angels, the wise men coming to give gifts, you know. And, and over the years, we kind of put them all neatly together in one, bundled up in one picture, you know. The manger and mom and dad and the sheep and the shepherds and the wise men. Kinda, that's kind of the general picture we've got of Christmas. And so what happens is every year comes around, Christmas, Merry Christmas, and we kind of tend to lose sight of some detail about that story and some important facts about that story. You see, it is so familiar, and because of our familiarity with the story, we tend to miss some very significant aspects of this story. In the noise of Christmas songs, Christmas decorations, Christmas presents, Christmas food, and Christmas rush, we may just glean over the story of the birth of Jesus and move on to time with family and friends. And uh, we don't give a second thought to what happened in Bethlehem that night. They often say that Christmas is the only birthday party where the birthday boy is often not invited. Huh? So let's stop this Christmas and let us consider. So I want to share with you today four things to notice about Christmas. Four words for you to ponder about today and in the days ahead as you get ready for the new year. So I want you to try and kind of get these four words into your head and into your heart and consider them. Here are the four words. Number one, incarnation. Number two, sacrifice. Number three, seek. Number four, worship. Got that? Number one, incarnation. Two, sacrifice. Three, seek. Four, worship. Now, two of these words, when you, when you look at all of them, uh, two of them sound more like uh, Easter words than Christmas words. Two of them do sound like Christmas words. You know, like, you know, seek and worship. You know, the shepherds and the wise men, they came to seek Jesus and then they worshiped him. So that's, that sound like, but incarnation and sacrifice, what does, how does that link to the birth of Jesus? But here's the thing. All these words are actually linked to the advent of Jesus, to the coming of Jesus, to his birth. And if some of these words make you think about Easter, it is because the birth of Jesus is directly linked to Easter. I mean, that's why he came, isn't it? The whole purpose of Jesus coming to this earth was to live a life, sinless life, and then ultimately 
to pay the price for your sins, you bunch of sinners. And for my sins too. Because I'm involved in this bunch of sinners. We all are. Bible says no one, no one is sinless. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all have a short. You may have your short. I've got my short. I am short. But no. But this, <laughs> there, there, there are different things that we do. You know, I, I might look at your sin and say, Sis, how can you do that? Because I don't commit your sin. You know why? Because I've got my own particular sin. <laughs> all right? And you may look at me and say, well, How can you do that? I never do that. Well, we all have a short. And because we all have a short, we need him. Because none of us can save ourselves. And Christmas is about Jesus coming to gather all our shorts upon himself on the cross so that we could have no shortage of relationship with God. Amen? Oh, that's good. Write it down, man. <laughs> all right. So let's look at these, these words. Incarnation means to take on flesh. And so we're going to, to start with this. Incarnation. This is a big word. It's a theological word. Incarnation. It comes from the Portuguese. No, no. From the Latin. Carne, which means meat. Okay. To become flesh. So, to take on flesh. That's what incarnation means. And his death and resurrection could not have happened, happened, happened if Jesus were not embodied first as a human being. The birth of Jesus tells us explicitly that God became human. God became man. And many people have a problem with that. There are many religions in this world which, which reject that idea. How can God become a man? Because see, in our peanut brain minds, we think that God must always be above man. He can never become one of us. But you see, God loved us so much that he became one of us to live with us. To show us what God is like and who God is. Incarnation. When God became a man. John 1.14. It says, and the word, God, Jesus, the word became flesh. Took on a body. And it dwelt among us. He lived among us. Jesus became a human being like you and me. He wasn't a special human being which bypassed some of our sufferings. No. He was an ordinary baby who needed care. Believe me, Jesus did not change his own nappies when he was a baby. He needed Mary to do it. Huh? He needed guidance. He needed instruction. Joseph had to teach him how to use the tools of the trade. Mary had to cook and feed him. He was an ordinary human being. He took on completely our fleshness, our humanity. And then he grew up sinless. Then he ministered. And some people accepted his ministry. Some people rejected. And then he paid the ultimate price for us. So, Christmas is more than just a story about the birth of a baby. It's about the incarnation of God. The incarnation, the birth of Jesus is about God revealing himself to humans in a deeply personal and tangible way. 
In John 49, Jesus says, Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. Do you want to know what God the Father is like? Read the Gospels. Look at Jesus. That's what God the Father is like. Not some distant old man, always angry, always cross. I mean, at one point in my life as, as a child, as a young man, I always thought that God was this old man with a long white beard, long white hair. I don't know why long white hair, but I just imagine long white hair. And, and, and walking around the corridors of river, heaven with a whip in his hand. And wherever he saw somebody having too much fun, he said, hey, stop it. No, you can't have too much fun in this life. For some reason, I created that image in my mind. And by the way, when you create a wrong image of God in your mind, you have created for yourself your own God. You are idolatrous. You are worshipping a false God in your brain. Some people don't have false gods in their homes, in their walls, or in a shrine. But they've got a false god right up here. And they bow down to a false image of God, which is just as bad as bowing to an animal or to an image. We need to get back to the Word of God and find out what God is truly like. And bow down to the God as revealed in the Bible. And Jesus said, do you want to know what God is like? Look at what? Just look at me, and I will show you. So look at Jesus. Read about him. Read about his character, about who he was. That is incarnation, incarnation. It is a major Christian doctrine. It is, it is a key Christian. No other religion has this kind of understanding. All other gods in all other religions, other half men and half God or, or weird things, in Christianity, we understand that God became man. He became one of us to reveal God to us. Amen. And he took on our human nature into himself by coming amongst us as a particular person, a particular man, Jesus Christ, without in any way ceasing to be the eternal God himself. Because within that fleshly human body that he walked on this earth, he had godliness in him. But he didn't go around bragging and, and showing off. There are a lot of spurious, false writings about Jesus doing funny things, miracles, even as a child and so on. Those are false writings. It's not the truth. Because Jesus did not go around bragging. He only revealed his power when necessary to prove that he was who he said he was. What was his biggest miracle? Raising from the dead. To show that he truly was who he said he was. He truly is who he said he is. Amen? So that is incarnation. But what about the second word? Sacrifice. Sacrifice is the second word I want you to fix in your head. Sacrifice. The Lamb of God was born. Listen, about 700 years before the birth of Jesus, the prophet Micah declared the exact location of the birth of Jesus. He said in Micah 5.2, The Lord says, Bethlehem Ephrata, you are one of the smallest towns in Judah. Bethlehem was at that time a very small town, one of the smallest. But then he says, But out of you I will bring a ruler for Israel, whose family's line goes back to ancient times. What a prophecy. Out of Bethlehem, a little insignificant town, 
God is going to raise up a ruler for Israel. But his family line goes back to ancient times. Well, we studied, didn't we, about Abraham and Isaac. goes back right there to ancient times. So Micah declared that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. Bethlehem, the place where David, the king of Israel, was born. And he grew up there in Bethlehem. And what did David grow up doing? Tending his father's sheep. I want you to make some connections as the story goes on now. All right? Because the prophecy was also that a, 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 a descendant of David would be sit on the throne, you know, and rule Israel. So that is where it was prophesied that he would be born. When the wise men came to Herod, they asked, where is he who was born king? We have come to worship him, for we have seen his star in the east, and we want to come and worship him. And the prophecy had already made it clear many generations before that this ruler would be born in Bethlehem, out of all the towns in Israel. Not even in Jerusalem, the main city. You think, man, come on. If a king is going to be born, let him be born in the capital, right? Jerusalem. No. Little Bethlehem. It had been prophesied. We, we, we read in today's reading that and we, we, we heard about the angels appearing to some shepherds who were in the fields of where? Bethlehem. Surrounding Bethlehem. Now, why on earth? That angels, powerful, mighty, heavenly angels, go to shepherds. You must understand one thing, people. That back in, in the day, shepherds, in those days, were like the outcasts of society. It was the, the lowest class people were shepherds. Shepherds had to stay and live with their sheep. They could not participate in the normal religious rituals and so forth. They could not participate in the normal life of society. They had to live with the sheep all the time. They didn't smell so good. Ever heard the, the, the saying, you know, if you don't smell like sheep, you're not a shepherd? Where do you think that came from? Because shepherds smell like sheep. And sheep don't smell so good. Huh? Why on earth did angels go to Why didn't they go to Jerusalem, the angels, and appear to Herod? You know, just shut his mouth once and for all. Ah, Jesus is born. And just, you yeah. Why didn't they go to the high priest or the priests in the temple and appear to them? Ta-da! Prophecy has been fulfilled today. The king is born. Why on earth did they go to shepherds? And how did those shepherds find the place of Jesus? Because they found a manger. Okay, true, Bethlehem was not a big city, but it's still a, it was full of people. Remember, it was the census, just filled with people. And within one night, those shepherds found Jesus, worshipped him, went all over the city, telling everybody what they'd seen, and went back to the field. So they couldn't have taken too long to find this manger and this baby. Well, many Bible scholars believe that those shepherds were not ordinary shepherds. The fields around Bethlehem were a special place where the lambs were raised for the purpose 
of being sacrificed in the temple in Jerusalem. Bethlehem is quite close to Jerusalem, very, just outside Jerusalem. And around Bethlehem, they grew, they, they, they nurtured these sheep for the purpose of sacrifice. And these shepherds, they were, they were being trained to watch these sheep. And that's why they had to be all the time with the sheep. Because they had to watch these sheep and they had to look out for first male-born sheep. Male sheep that were born without any blemish. Because remember, for the sacrifice, it was required a blemishless sheep. And so these guys had a very special task. They had to be all the time watching their sheep. And when a male was born, it had to be brought aside and checked for any impurities. That had to be taken special care of because you couldn't hurt them. And you had to take care of them for one year. Because the sacrifice was supposed to be for a sheep, one year old, blemishless, spotless, healthy. And so these shepherds are believed to be those shepherds. They were looking after sheep. For the sacrifice. When a mother ewe was preparing to give birth, she was taken to a special stable. A birthing place that was kept clean. And once that sheep was born, that sheep was wrapped, was swaddled, swaddled in special cloths. And put in a manger. Manger in those days wasn't the nice little wooden things we see these days. It was carved out of stone. It was a feeding trough made out of stone. And the, the sheep was placed over there. And these shepherds would inspect it and make sure. And, and they would just, just bind, the, 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 the swaddle the sheep so it wouldn't kick and move and hurt itself. They'd bind it together look and, and take very good care of the sheep. Now listen to this. So when the angels told them, this is your sign. A baby swaddled in a manger. And there was a specific manger around that area where this took place. This checking of the sheep. The shepherds knew where to go. It wasn't just any manger. It was the manger where the sheep were inspected. For sacrifice. And that's where they went. And they found Jesus swaddled in this feeding trough of stone. So why did the angels go to these shepherds? It's no coincidence. These shepherds who were used to identifying sacrificial lambs without blemish. They had the privilege to identify Jesus as the Lamb of God born without blemish. Three decades later, John the Baptist pointed to Jesus and he said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Huh? And more than 2,000 years later today, Jesus is still taking away the sin of all who accept his sacrifice that makes peace between men and God. Jesus was born on a feeding trough and laid on a feeding trough. <laughs> is it appropriate that Jesus, who is the bread of life, was born in an eating trough? 
so that humanity can partake of him. Mm. And so, as we celebrate the birth of Jesus, let us not forget what he clearly came to do for us. From his birth, from the birth moment, there was a declaration. I have come into this world to be a sacrifice. Okay? Incarnation. Sacrifice. Third word. Seek. 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 But you know what? Seek, but he is not far. <laughs> seek, but he is not far. When the shepherds heard the angels, they went to seek Jesus. They did not spend the whole night up and down, up and down the streets looking for Jesus. They knew where to go to find him. They went to seek him and they found him. They did not, they did not waste their time. The wise men came from the east seeking Jesus. They inquired. And they did not waste time looking all over the place for Jesus. They were told where to go. And they went to Bethlehem and they found Jesus. And the message for us today is simple. No matter your position in society, a lowly shepherd or a mighty wise man and recognizing society full of riches, doesn't matter who you are or anywhere in, in this continuum, you need to seek him. We all need to seek him. Jesus said, ask and it will be given you. The wise men asked. And the information was given him. Okay. Seek and you will find. The shepherds found him. The wise men found him. I have found him. Have you found him? Knock and the door will be opened to you. Jesus also said, seek first God's kingdom. It's the most important thing in this world. Because once you've got that, everything else will be added unto your life. In Acts 17.27 it says that God, he made all the nations of the world. All this diversity that we see in us was God's creation. He, he appointed places for people to live. He appointed boundaries, appointed times and seasons. And we are here today and born at this time for his purpose. And it says then in verse 27 that God did this, all this creation, so that they, the people, you and I, would seek him. And perhaps reach out for him and find him. When I was a child, I used to play hide and seek. And, and the whole purpose of that game was for you to hide, somebody else to seek. And the purpose was for them never to find you. I remember at times as a kid playing, then eventually I got tired because some dude had just disappeared. And I got tired of seeking. Sometimes I was that dude. And I hid myself so they could never find me. Now, God doesn't play that game. He says, seek me. I am here. The only reason we don't find him is because we're not looking for him. Sometimes we get right past him and we don't, don't notice. We just ignore him. He says, reach out for him and find him. Because he says, though he is not far from any one of us. He's not far from you. He's not far from any one of us. The shepherds found him. The wise men found him. I hope you have found him. He's not far from us. But now, no matter how long you have followed Jesus, guess what? 
There is more to learn from him. There is more to learn about him. Amen. There is more to enjoy of him. There is more to be found in his presence. So, don't let the familiarity of the Christmas story hinder you from seeking him. Seeking him more. Amen. Third word, seek. Let's go to our fourth word, worship. Worship. And worship is our response to his love. Once we understand who he is, what he has done, we, we cannot but worship him. When we grasp the meaning of incarnation, the fact that God became flesh to reveal himself to us, and then he paid the necessary price himself for the debt of the son that separated us from God, from himself. A debt we could never pay. When you begin to understand his greatness, man. <laughs> when you begin to understand that he is indeed the king of kings and the lord of lords, our natural response to his love and to his greatness is what? Worship. Matthew 2, 21 says that when the wise men came from the east and when they found Jesus... It says that they saw the young child with uh, Mary, his mother, and fell down. <laughs> they just fell down, man. They fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Christmas time. Is a time of worship. And we're going to close the service with worship now. The purpose of the long trip from the east was clear. Those wise men, they came all the way from the east to do what? To worship. To worship the king. They bowed down to him and they gave from what they had. Gold represents our spirit. Frankincense represents our mind, will, and emotions. And myrrh represents our body. And it is fitting that we end this Christmas service today worshiping the king, that unexpected king. Born in a miraculous, unconventional way, in an unlikely city and place, in Bethlehem, in a manger, but whose birth <laughs> was proclaimed by angels. And today, to all those who will listen, the message continues to be proclaimed. The king is born the king is alive and the king will return amen it will be an unexpected return just like he had an unexpected birth it will be an unexpected return no one knows when it will take place it will be in an unexpected way no one knows how it will take place but we know that this time when he returns <laughs> it will not be in an obscure place he will return in glory for the whole world to see. And he will return to rule the world with power. Hallelujah. So let us worship him now. And also let us give. The wise men gave from what they had. Let's give them from our hearts and our worship. But let's also give now our tithes and offerings as well as we worship the Lord. But above all, let us give him 
our spirit, our soul, and our body in worship. I invite you to stand as we sing now. And I want you to remember those four words. You can stand in the meantime. Listen to me as you stand. It's okay. Stretch your legs. Okay. Remember those four words. Incarnation, sacrifice, seek, and worship. And listen, they apply to our lives as well. You see, incarnation. We are not gods, but we are the church of Jesus Christ. The Lord lives in us, and he wants to live through us. He wants to become flesh to the world through his church, through you and me. We are supposed to incarnate the character of God so that those who are far from him may come to know him. What about sacrifice? As Christians, we are on a mission here. We each carry our own cross. Amen? To follow Jesus requires a sacrifice life different from the pattern of the world. What about seek? Christianity is a relationship with Jesus. We are on a journey and we continuously seek him. We seek his direction. We seek his guidance. We seek his favor and we seek his will. Amen. And then finally worship our lives in all we do should be worship to God. We are called to do all in the name of Jesus and for his glory. We continuously should bring a sacrifice of praise and worship to him. Amen. So I pray these four words will resonate in your mind and in your hearts this Christmas. Bringing fresh perspective and renewed meaning to Christmas. So come, let us sing and worship him now. Amen.
the king has come and the king is alive and the king is the king of kings and lord of lords today he is the king of our hearts he is the lord of the church he is the king of this world and the lord of this world although the world does not recognize that but soon he will return in glory and the whole earth will confess will declare that Jesus is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And that is our confession today. Amen. So, Father, thank you for the coming of Jesus. Lord Jesus, thank you that you came and that you became our Lord, our Savior. You became a man just like us, a human being, lived on this world, suffered with us, like us, and yet without sin, revealed the Father to us. And today, Lord, and on, on this day when we remember your birthday, we celebrate your goodness and what you did for us, Lord. We remember incarnation. We remember, Lord, everything you've done. Sacrifice. We remember seek. We will continue to seek you, Lord. And we will continue to worship you, hallelujah, until we see you face to face. Thank you for this day, Lord. Thank you for your blessing upon your people, Lord God, as we enjoy this day celebrating your birth and your goodness so now may the love of god the father the grace and the peace of our lord jesus christ and the fellowship of the holy spirit remain with each one of us until we see him face to face amen and amen merry christmas god bless you see you next year amen bye-bye